Welcome to the Compassionate Educators Show for teachers who desire to change lives without self-sacrifice. Let's dig deep together into the skill set, mindset, and best practices you and your students need to thrive in today's schools. Now your host, Marie Cooney. Hello and welcome to today's episode where you will have a chance to hear some ideas for making sure your classroom is culturally connected and especially in the area of STEM integration, which can be applied at any grade level and is an absolute must for compassionate educators. Before I introduce you though to our amazing guest, I want to let you know that as a highly valued member of the Compassionate Educators community, you are invited to attend a free training on emotional regulation in the Facebook group. This is an amazing, incredible training all about emotional regulation for the classroom. And I know there's so many times when it can feel like there is so much chaos happening. But this workshop is going to give you some tips and tools and wonderful strategies all around how to help your students become more emotionally regulated. So that begins in the Facebook group starting Monday, March 30th, and it is by registration. So you can receive your free workbook and get all of the insider information to register. All you have to do is go to www.compassionateducators.com backslash workshop and go ahead and enter your email address and you'll be all set to attend the emotional regulation for the classroom workshop. This is a entire week-long training all done online so you get the very best support and information and resources to ensure that you are thriving in the classroom. And now for our conversation with Dr. Tiffany Powell. Tiffany Powell earned a PhD in curriculum and instruction from Kansas State University, an MS from Hunter College, and a BA from Hofstra University. Her background includes being an elementary classroom teacher and mathematics instructional coach for the Department of Education in New York City. She championed issues for student diversity and inclusive practices as the diversity coordinator for the Manhattan Ogden School District in Manhattan, Kansas. During her tenure in the Estevez School of Education at the Sage Colleges, she was the director of the Help Yourself Academy, developed several courses, became the program director for childhood education, and earned her and earned the rank of associate professor. Her research focuses on STEM and STEAM professional development, and she is active in her pursuit to continue to contribute to the professional community via publications, conference presentations, and facilitation of professional training in the local community and beyond. Dr. Powell is the founder and CEO of Dr. Tiff Speaks, an educational consulting agency where she is actively providing consulting services for teachers, students, and parents. Please help me welcome Dr. Tiffany Powell. 
All right, Dr. Tiff, we are so honored to have you on the Compassionate Educators show today, and we are going to really dive into one of your areas of expertise, which is culturally connected STEM integration. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So this notion of being culturally connected is related to the idea of using instructional practices or policies that, one, intentionally acknowledge the cultural realities of students, two, work to create meaningful linkages between cultural perspectives and curricular content. Um, and the idea is that the relationship between these are very purposeful um, and it's founded on this belief that um, challenges the notion that only some people are good at certain things and only some people are good at math or good at science, but that there is a um, inherent belief that all kids can be successful and also that the teacher is intentional in bringing out those strengths by rec and also recognizing that there's a cultural reality of who they are, their background, their experiences that can undergird that instruction. So that's the premise of culturally connected practice. Um, it is rooted in culturally responsive instruction um, that was coined by Geneva Gay uh, in 2000 and then previously was a sort of a culturally relevant pedagogy which was coined by um, Gloria Latson Billings in 1994. So culturally connected is just a term that I've been coining but there's lots of others that are very very similar to that that term but I use it very purposefully as it relates to STEM instruction and the practice that's um, really, really important for our students right now. Mm -hmm. Right, that is absolutely so important. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you work on bringing that together and kind of opening the eyes and making those shifts to ensuring that all of our students are able to have access to that mm -hmm. type of learning environment and curriculum? Absolutely. I think it does begin with the teacher. It begins with the belief system. So regardless of even resources, which we'll talk about that in a moment, it does believe it does, does begin with the teacher, whomever he or she may be, that's in that classroom that believes that these students can be successful. So that's going to challenge internal stereotypes right there, right then. Um, so they don't use things like barriers that have been traditional barriers like poverty or lack of access or maybe seeming lack of knowledge, that those are not barriers because anyone can learn. If you provide an environment that's conducive, anyone can learn anything if you really are applicable, make it applicable to them. So I think it starts with the belief system. And then I think what the next piece is going to be to create environments where students can see reflections of themselves, of other people who have been successful in those fields. And so if we're talking about kids of color, um, in particular because of the cultural connections and the racial diversity of students. Um, one example is to talk about other um, prominent mathematicians and scientists that, that from various backgrounds that, are, that can be reflections of themselves. And so just to make a relevant connection, um, Katherine Johnson, who was featured, who was the main character of the, of the movie Hidden Figures, um, unfortunately, she passed away just the other day at 101 years old. Mm -hmm. But you talk about someone as a mathematician, as an African-American woman who totally defied the odds in the 50s, working for NASA and, you know, being so instrumental in, in space, in aerospace <laughs> kind of um, dynamics. And that engineer, I mean, is there any, I mean, there's so many others, but she right there is an icon, I think, that students can look to. And, and I think in challenge, the fact that anyone can do it. And not only the fact that she was African-American, but that she's a woman. 
So that's also another aspect of that have been barriers. Like what are girls doing instead? So we want our girls to feel like they can challenge the status quo. They can be just as good at math and science and even exceed some of their male counterparts. But that comes from a teacher who understands that they need to have images, they need to have experiences, they need to experience success. And that the way that those cultural pieces are brought in is through the imaging, it's also through belief systems, it's also through exposure, it's also through setting high expectations expectations for those learners because that's what's going to help to raise the bar. And of course, we can go on and on with all of the other aspects that's connected to that, but I think that that's at the, the heart of it are those ideas right there. Mm -hmm. And so when I began the work around STEM instruction, it's because I began to realize that there was some limited thoughts on how STEM works. So that's how the integrative okay. piece came to be. Um, I, I work a lot with elementary school teachers and elementary school tends to be taught in silos. So you have math one period and science another period and reading another period. And, you know, very similar to how middle school is taught is just that they all are in the same classroom all day long. And so we know that that's the structure, but what a prime opportunity to integrate. Why not integrate them and show the relationship between those very, very important areas. And so I've taken this sort of um, charge to really help teachers to look for integrative opportunities. Where do the topics overlap? Where are their natural bends? And how do those natural bends really lend itself to a holistic way of thinking about a concept and for students to use all of those pieces? So massage the math, you know, you have to teach the basic facts. Of course, we're not insinuating that at all. But once you have a good sense of how to add and subtract or you're practicing that, how is that adding and subtracting that those um, basic computational skills gonna be useful? <laughs> and if you can't apply it anywhere, then why are you learning it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's asking those and it's challenging those types of ways in which instruction has been delivered in the past. Wow. You said so many really important concepts. Let's just go through just really briefly a little bit more. I know from the very beginning, you said it begins with the teacher. It begins with their own belief system. And you also talked about exposure. And I'm looking at this also in terms of if the teacher is going to have a foundation that can be solid in being able to expose the students and make those connections and help them to have those reflections in their environment, then the teachers themselves need to be exposed mm -hmm. to, Absolutely. as you said, even the movie Hidden Figures. What an amazing movie. I mean, mm -hmm. if... Our listeners have not watched that movie. Absolutely. That should be number one on your list for this weekend <laughs> is to watch that movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's incredible. And if the teachers are not kind of up leveling to expose themselves to different opportunities, it's really challenging to be able to open the environment, to open up the dialogue and the communication with the students so how can teachers kind of open up their own minds, their own hearts, their own doors to be able to bring this from concept to reality to yeah. help their students? That's a great question. Um, I'll say that because I spend a lot of time in teacher education, it definitely starts there. It starts at the foundation of how you're being trained to be an educator. So what type of courses are you receiving? And so there are some schools of, of, you know, schools of education that are doing a great job with exposing their 
pre-service teachers to some of these concepts. And then there's some that aren't, right? And so I think that if you can't get it at the pre-service level, then it definitely has to be at the professional development level once you are in the field. And that's sort of where I've entered um, this conversation um, to enrich this discussion has been around professional development. Um, so I go into schools. I work directly with, with the school districts and work directly with teachers who are really trying to open their mindset. And it really starts with conversations and addressing their own biases. So we have to start there. Like, unless you realize that we have unconscious bias, that we have implicit bias, that those are the things that really shape the way we interact with the world, we can't be better. We all have biases, right? And so we have to first face them like, okay, yeah, I saw that person and I made a judgment. And so how does that judgment now affect how you're going to do the next, have the next action? So I think it starts with that. And then once you begin to unpack some of those realities and you challenge people to say, okay, was that particular behavior a reflection of your bias or was it really a reflection of you really believing that this kid can be successful? And what did you do that was indicative of that belief? So I think it's really having a, an instructor or an administrator, someone who's going to push the envelope. <laughs> and I think, with, I think that as people become more aware of their own shortcomings and they're like, you know what, I could get better at this. They actually start to get better because they become, they, they start challenging how they use materials. Um, if they are, um, using the other mater materials that they're using reflective of the students that they're working with. That's another issue. Is it, is it reflective of such? Um, so I have them like look through like in the activities that look at whether the textbook, the questions, the, all of that stuff is really a part of the process of really unpacking. And sometimes you don't have all that time, but I think you have to keep digging away. It's like kind of barreling through to go through like a cave, like, you know, with this like, you know, whatever that pointy tool is called, <laughs> that barrels through a, tool, through a cave, you know, it's sort of like that. And um, because you really are trying to get to the core of something. And I, I've seen that as teachers have first realized that STEM, good STEM instruction is possible. That was the first thing. Once they realized that, and then they begin to challenge some of their own belief systems, they actually started making some track, getting some traction in how they've made some decisions. And once a teacher becomes reflective, you can't stop them. They are just, they're going to go and they're just going to keep on going. And that's the beauty about teaching is you get another chance the next day, <laughs> go in tomorrow and try again. That's what I love about being in a classroom. It's not a one, you, you made a mistake and it's over. You got another chance. Go back tomorrow and use what you learned yesterday and be a little bit better. So I think that it really helps. It starts with being honest with oneself of where they are. And sometimes if the teacher is not or doesn't look like their, they don't look like their students, they don't have the same background as their students. Because that's what we're talking about when we talk about this culturally connected piece. It can be language. It can be race. It can be ethnicity. It can be gender preferences. It can be a variety of things. But those things play out in how we interact with people if we have the, if we haven't faced our biases, they play out. Mm -hmm. And so a teacher has to know that, like I'm doing that. <laughs> and somebody has to be watching that's a little bit more astute and, 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 and proficient in that area to help point it out. So I think it, it challenges status quo. And I think once you do that, that's a good place to start. So that's what I think. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. absolutely. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I know that students, they pick up on so much. And if we are not being sincere and authentic and we are not unpacking our mm -hmm. own stuff if we are okay. not being reflective they are going to pick up on that 
and call absolutely. us out on it. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. the so, students will too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You'll get it. They, they are very uh -huh. honest, like probably way more than we want them to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so I think, I think it's really important for us not to take that personally, but to really look deeply and look deeply at, like you said, our belief system and exposing ourselves to different opportunities so that we can be able to look at how it's so true that all kids can be successful and we might see the barriers that are in front of them, but then we can also see how are we going to break those barriers down? How are we going to work together? I don't know if you've seen this picture go around, there's this fence in front of three students mm -hmm. and, you know, one of them can see clearly, the other one is standing on a box and the other one can't see at all. And mm -hmm. so we're trying to make it equal. So we're getting boxes for the other kids and it's like, mm -hmm. let's just tear down that fence, right? That's right. How about that? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a perfect picture. I've actually used that picture so many times when we talk about equity and how you have to give students what they need to be successful. And I always have used the example with my, with my pre-service teachers and, and they, with, the, with glasses. Everyone doesn't need glasses, right? I'm getting a little older, so now I need them more than I did before. But the idea is that you don't just go around and give everybody glasses because you want everybody to be equal. Because <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> crazy, right? You give people what they need. So if you need corrective lenses, you wear them. Um, and, that, and, those, and that corrective a support may look different. Somebody wears glasses. I mean, somebody wears glasses, somebody wears contacts, somebody has a string behind their ear, somebody has it around their neck. You know, some people only pull it out at certain times. And I, when I use that everyday example, they get it. You give people what they need. And that's the same thing in education. If this student needs extra support, you give them the support. It doesn't mean that they are inadequate. It means that they didn't start at the same line that somebody else did because that's another issue of where people start and background and all this other stuff. But let's not use it as a barrier or an excuse for why they cannot be successful. It means you got to work a little bit more with them. So since you're the professional in the room, I would tell my pre-service teachers, you're going to be the professional. You're the one with the college degree. So these kids are fourth grade. So you want them to be as sophisticated as you, you're the one with the degree. So you do <laughs> use your education and your skill and your training to be the professional in that space there and not, and not argue and, and, and talk down to a nine-year-old. They're nine, you know? So I just use it as examples. And I think that that image you described, I know it very well. And it does, it describes, take the wall. How about let's just remove the fence. But since that fence is there in a lot of cases, because we live in a society that thinks about these things very differently, don't be a further mm -hmm. hindrance to the student. Do your part, mm -hmm. do your part for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I come from a counseling background, and the first point is always do no harm, right? Do mm -hmm. no harm. And so I think that can relate quite a bit here as well. And I'm really curious, as far as the concepts that we're talking about right now, how can we see that play out specifically in STEM integration? I think the, the cultural connected piece is more of the mindfulness of what's happening at the, the lower levels or that's what I would think at the foundational levels. But the integration piece is really more of the curricular or pedagogical moves. And part of what happens in this integration piece is realizing that, as I mentioned before, that science and math and technology and engineering um, and technology, those pieces do all go together. 
but teachers haven't always been aware of how the pieces connect. And so I developed a model that discusses how that integration can actually happen. I talk about starting with one particular concept, like say in math, that may be your starting point, like if they're doing number concepts, and then what type of science is relevant to what's happening at that moment. So you're teaching second grade, what are they learning in um, at that time that you want to connect this notion of number concepts to? Because if I need to do something in science and I'm adding or subtracting or something, how is that connecting? What type of technology are they using? And that also challenges teachers also because technology is not just cyber. <laughs> it's not just computers. There's other types of technology that are useful in helping people to be successful. Like technology is really anything that's been engineered to make our life easier. So the fact that we're on the phone, the fact that somebody has, you know, developed a laptop, you know, the fact that there are chairs that we're probably sitting on. Somebody has engineered that, right? And so that that's another idea. And then we talk about what are they building? And if you're going to be building something, why are you building it? Who is it helping? What's the purpose of it? What problem are you solving? And so you take all of those pieces and you create like a nice sort of wheel and that's the integrated part. And it's very, it becomes very seamless. It's intentional though, because teachers have to know their end. What, what is your objective? Where are you trying to go? And then how have you left some openings for students to discover along the way as well? It's not something that somebody can walk in the door and do without planning. You have to plan. But once with, with intentional planning, it can be a very, very successful experience. And so over the last number of years, I've worked with teachers to develop some really, really strong integrated STEM plans. And they are, even, I'm not, even though I'm not working with that district anymore, I believe that they're continuing to implement the training that, that I shared with them so that they continue to develop those strong plans. And um, I'd be willing to share something, you know, maybe provide a link or something um, where your uh, viewers or listeners rather can access that if they really want to um, see what one of those plans look like, because they're really very fun. Like, you know, of course, and you think about for young learners, they love things that they can touch and move and manipulate and think about concepts and they love that, right? That's how our kids learn. Like that's the, the mind of an elementary school student. So use what you already have in place for them. Like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. They already come curious and full of energy. So use it to your advantage to help make the learning more relevant for them. So that's sort of the basis of it. Um, and I love it. And I'm keep, I continue to massage it and write articles about it and continue to work with different school districts and teachers that really want to see this thing play out in their classrooms. That's so much fun. Even as you are describing it, I just imagine all these little curious minds. And um, It doesn't have to be super elaborate. There's all kinds of picture books. There are chapter books. There are poems. There's all kinds of things that just from people who are just from various backgrounds that help to create an environment of connectedness. Because when, when people can see reflections of themselves, it's amazing how it encourages them to think, I could do that too. If you did that, I could try that. Maybe it's different back, you know, neighborhoods, whatever. There's so many different things out there. And I have a list I can share also of some math-related books, um, STEM-related, because they're math and science. Um, I did a video probably a year and a half ago of a variety of books that I can certainly share that list with the, the listeners. And that would be one small resource that can make a huge difference. It can definitely start the conversation. That would be great. That is a wonderful 
tip for all of our teachers and no matter at what grade level either because I know in our elementary schools there's often their classroom library corners but even as we get into the older um, upper mm -hmm. grade levels making sure that our environment is really reflective of our student population and even beyond I mean if you are in a classroom that um, has more of a homogeneous population, still bringing in, bringing Absolutely. in different cultures and backgrounds. And, and it's important for everyone to Absolutely. have that reflection and that wonderful pieces here. And then Dr. Tiff is going to get that link for our listeners and then also some suggestions for books that we can yes. bring into the classroom. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. And Absolutely. it has been an absolute joy talking with you. Likewise. Yeah, is there any final messages or anything else that you would like to uh, let our listeners know before we end? I just want to say stay encouraged. Know that as, as educators, you matter and your students need you. I read a quote once that says that even on your worst day, you're someone's best hope. So mm -hmm. I would like to just leave that with a, as a word of encouragement because Sometimes it can be rough <laughs> in the classroom mm -hmm. environment and it, sometimes teachers feel so beat up. But I just want to just leave a word to say, we need you. We need you strong. We need you courageous. We need you to be enthusiastic and to keep going because without strong teachers in the classroom, our kids just will not get what they need. So I just want to just leave that word of encouragement with our listeners. You're amazing and continue, continue to be amazing and keep, keep going. That's absolutely beautiful. And it speaks so much to what Compassionate Educators is all about. Thank you so much for your words of inspiration. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here with you. Thank you. I hope that you love this episode of the Compassionate Educators Show. And just a reminder to head on over to www.compassionateeducators.com backslash workshop so you can sign up for the absolutely free emotional regulation workshop for the classroom beginning March 30th, 2020. So go now, sign up, and we will see you in the Facebook group soon.